If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? <laughs> Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cut away coat, perfect fit. Hello there! You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Call. My name is Tom Chick, and I am with you this week with Christian McCrowley. Hey, call me a bitch. Just say it. I want to hear you, I want to hear you call me one. You're a bee. I don't remember any of these fucking lines. Because she, she doesn't cuss. Remember, Kelly Wan? She's so wholesome, she does not cuss. But you know what? That's a spoiler. We'll get to that in a moment. So oh, I think my Halle Berry. First... First, we have a tagline for the call from Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, what is the tagline for the call? It's like the cell, but with an A. <laughs> can I can I do a guest tagline, Kelly Wand? Yeah, easy A. Here we go. No. Yeah. Capricorn two. Ah, oh, that's a good one. That beats me. I fold. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see. Before we talk about the call and spoil it for you. Uh, Kelly Wand, you uh, you were going to tell us about seeing – you saw the sessions? Is that what you wanted to say? Something? No. Uh, ex-girlfriend of the podcast, Saran Rat Butterworthless, watched it, so I wouldn't have to. And I just wanted to say something she said about it that st- struck a chord with me. Mm-hmm. Get it? Because he doesn't have a spinal cord. Uh, <laughs> she said it ends with John Hawks as a ghost at his own funeral in voiceover going, See those three chicks? I nailed them all. And one of them is just like the nurse who changed his de- his bed pants. <laughs> also dead pads. <laughs> his dead pads. You know what, Kelly Wan, you wouldn't be so dismissive if you knew who played that nurse. Who? Olivia Thirlby? No, better. Uh, I'm going to screw up her name. Isn't it like Moon Bloodgood? Oh, yeah, she's good. She's awesome, and they try to yeah, make her good. look like all sort of frowsy. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't work. That? It she's doesn't work. for an Oscar, right? It's you know it's like a serious performance. Actually, she's really good in it. I, I like her a lot. But, uh, she cut her sex scene out of Terminator Four because he didn't want it to be fun. Thanks, McGee. Yeah, thanks, McGee. Appreciate that. What uh, was she in that we saw? Was she in Drive Angry? I don't think no. so. That's all blondes. <laughs> Crazy kid. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so John Hawks sort of uh, hot chicks at his funeral. Go on. He's bragging in the afterlife that he had sex with the three women who go to his funeral. Mm-hmm. But one of them's the nurse. He didn't have sex with her. And another one's a neighbor who shot him down and then moved away when he asked her out. Right. So that's two. And then the third one's Helen Hunt, which normally is the worst. <laughs> Been on all those dates. All right. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to give me shit for giving away the ending of that movie. But <laughs> she doesn't. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think the, the listeners can, can handle that on their own. I, I didn't like that movie. Am I the only one who saw that? You're the only one who sees all of them. Guess so yeah, it's you know it's one of those sort of heartwarming stories about a fellow overcoming adversity and he doesn't I, though he dies that's not overcoming anything. <laughs> well, the adversity was not getting laid. He does. He's over- a prostitute with a therapy degree. That's uh, not. What's that, that adversary? He has the money. Kelly, yeah, you know these, that's got to come out of like his health insurance and you know you got to deal with the, all the paperwork. Like like does his insurance cover that? Helen Hunt forty eight doesn't cost that much. Moon Bloodgood froused. You know what? An iron lung is a chick magnet. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> uh, so let, let's see. Uh, we also saw the um, 
uh, trailer for Evil Dead, Kelly Wan. You wanted to say something about that. Are you are you are you looking forward to an Evil Dead remake? Because I bet I, you were one of the guys who was like poo pooing the whole concept, right? I was, and then I saw the preview, and then it seemed kind of interesting. But mm-hmm. then I saw the wrong preview that gives away everything, and now I feel like I've already seen it. In a yeah, like you, you don't need to exactly. Yeah, yeah. there's too many uh, trailers. I'm curious to see it because it's a first time direct. Well, not a it's a it's a fellow who did a YouTube video. Uh, and it got picked up based on that. It's kind of like the, the guy that Guillermo del Toro got to do Mama. This is a similar situation where this guy from, I, I want to say Uruguay, uh, South American country, did a video that was just uh, CG giant robots attacking Montevideo. Uh, and he put it on YouTube, and it got a bazillion hits, and then he got a, a deal to do the Evil Dead remake. So for that reason, I want to see, you know, is this some new young hotshot or is it some other poor fella thrown into the teeth of a low budget hollywood remake it keeps happening they keep getting these reboots with really high pedigrees like that fucking thing guy (coughs) oh yeah yeah no right i forgot about him yeah that might be the last we see of him (laughs) the fuck who wrote prometheus that was his first script or something like he wrote over the weekend no, so he had done uh, – John Spates had done uh, Darkest Night. What was it? The thing about the aliens who come to Ro- Moscow and turn off the power and they're invisible. <laughs> what was that one called? Oh, the one you saw and you got mad. The Longest Day. It was called The Longest Day, I think. No, stop. Yes. Wait, they weren't invisible. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, they were invisible. They turn off the power, and the movie is called The Longest Day. Yep. How long was the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's day, so the power being out is not as important as it. At night, it would be a bigger hassle. That's a good point. Awesome. Uh, that, that might be one, something they want to look into for the sequel. Right? And they went, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Let's put him under Prometheus. <laughs> if he has trouble with day-night, where do we get him with a donut-shaped ship and running? Uh, can I be briefly crass? I don't normally do this, but uh, that Great Gatsby trailer, which – I saw it again, and I'm, I'm just going to have to stop. stop I, I, I can't take watching that anymore. That what? Great Gatsby trailer, uh, I think I think I want to have sex with it. Yeah, you're supposed to. Which is weird if you read the book, because it's kind of a bummer. I don't know. I think you did have sex with it. Man, I felt like it. I, yes. sex right after watching that. I just want to register a complaint with anybody who's scheduling or programming previews. I mean, it doesn't have to be tailored to the actual movie, but if they could have some sort of logical progression from trailer to trailer, so we don't have to watch that preview and then watch The Heat after it, that would be awesome. Oh, I, have, uh, uh, I have one thing to say to you, Dingus. Yeah, there's a dog on your balls. <laughs> That's procedural. That's a code 58. Baz Lerman is Michael Mann for girls. What do you think of that, Tom? Uh, well, he's also Michael Mann for me. Hey, well, so what does that say? Just fits, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see. That's enough trailer talk. Let's talk about the movie that we saw this uh. week. Dick, Kelly Wan, don't tip your hand yet. <laughs> Some of us on this podcast might have loved it. Uh, so, uh, we're, you know what? I think on this podcast we're all Brad Anderson fans, aren't we? Uh he well, made that oceanography movie with Hope Davis that the girl always ruins movies for me ruined for me. So I wasn't sure if it was good or not. Dingus, do you know what he's talking about? Wonderland, next stop Wonderland, something Wonderland. Hope Davis, the chick who gets killed off at our. What does that have to do with with uh, with? It's the same director. That's the same guy, isn't it? Oceanography. 
Yeah, he's an, it's a romantic comedy with an oceanographer and a chick who goes on speed dates. <laughs> Black dudes. Right. I know he direct, I know he directed Next Stop Wonderland, but I had no idea it had anything to do with ocean. I thought that was yeah, a time. Next Stop Wonderland is a time travel thing with Gwyneth Paltrow, isn't it? It's Val Kilmer as John Holmes. Oh God, there's so many different movies we're talking about. All right, well let's get let's drill down to one particular movie. Yes. No spoilers, uh, Dingus. Without spoiling anything, tell the folks what we saw this week. All right, this week we saw The Call. A 2013 high concept thriller movie mm. about a short 911 operator. It was directed by Brad Anderson and written by Richard Video. It stars Tara Platt, Roma Mafia, Halle Berry, Abigail Breslin, Morris Chestnut, and Michael Eklund. The call is rated R. Mm. For really? violence, yeah, it's for violence and disturbing content and some language. <laughs> That's always an R if it's got some. It's got some language in it. Some uh, the, call. the call opened at number two. It was beat Ugh. by the Oz movie, which made another cool $40 million this weekend. <laughs> so uh. No stopping Oz. It is great and powerful, apparently. Uh, but The Call came in at number two with $17 million. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, the call is at 38%. On Metacritic, which gauges the average rating of reviews that use ratings, as well as, I have since been told, reviews that don't use ratings. There's all kinds of magic going on with Metacritic. But on Metacritic, the call is at 51. Whoa. Just it, it barely tips right past the fulcrum of the middle into the positive. You never see a 20-point spread. Not that that's 20 points. Which is proof of my point. <laughs> I've been up for 48 hours. I'm not going to remember any of this. It's probably a blessing. But, Tom, uh, what do those numbers mean? They I'm mean, dumb. Kelly Wand, now that those, those numbers, what we d- draw from those numbers is that it is now time for a collapsus. <clears throat> oh. So nothing, in other words. Uh, those are, if I had made a movie and it got 38% on Rotten Tomatoes and 51 on Metacritic, I'd be a little bummed out. That's what those Has numbers. it ever, since we started doing this podcast, whenever the fuck that was, have they all been <laughs> the same number? Like the, num- the amount it made and then both ratings? Like I, I feel, yeah, I feel like if that had ever happened, Kelly Wan, you would have definitely said something about it. Not- well, no, maybe it happened like a bunch of times, and I just didn't notice. Could be. Could be. Fascinating wand. All right. The Culpsis? Is that what you said, or did you said it better? You added a syllable, I believe. I made it sound like a medical procedure. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't want to date a Culpsis? That's so, Kelly Wand, uh, yes, uh, drive it like you stole it. Is that in it, the movie? <laughs> Stop wording me. The Culpsis, a week and a half in the revising. Ring, ring. Thank you for calling on one one. What city, please? Don't say Reno. Wasn't funny the first time. Hey, hey, put the joe in the pudding pop. Terrence, you know this number's for emergencies only. This is an emergency. Look at this pudding pop. Well, it's weird how you keep getting me every time you call 911. But I gotta go. Some cops just came in. Sup, sister? Wait, I went too far down. <laughs> Sup, sister? If I needed to put you back in the scene. Superior delivery. Sorry, stinky, I don't date cops. 
just keep framed pictures of them around my apartment as exposition, like serial killers do. Uh, I was talking to your boss, actually. Ain't you supposed to be working right now, Barry? Fine, I'll go out with you. 911, what city? Please don't say Reno. Uh, wait. I'm skipping that part. Hey, I'm a blonde 14-year-old girl. A serial killer's breaking the glass at my patio door. Should I stab him in the hands or get the gun out of the drawer beside me and shoot him? Ease up, shorty. Pigs are on their way. Actually, they're here hitting on me, but I think the break time's half over. Also, dispatching some Emmys from the coroner's office in case you don't make it. Thanks for calling. Oh, wait. What's your location, huh? Um, at 3815 Zeroth Place at the corner of Beaumont and Duh. Killer's in the kitchen now, trying to find the sharpest knife. Okay, I didn't ask that. Do you see any numbers on the outside of your house? Yeah, I said them. 3815. Now he's coming towards me with the knife and drawing a finger across his throat and making an annoying sound with his teeth. Okay, Stacy, no worries. Those, those expressions are perfectly normal in psychopaths, prepping for what we call a kill stab. What sign are you? Capricorn? Buck. Well, Cindy will do what we can, but it doesn't look good. Does the killer look like a Libra? <laughs> this happened in the movie? I can't. It seems so long ago since I saw it. He says he's a Taurus. Okay, he put the knife down. He picked up a whisk. It's a Camry. Okay. Right. Red Camry. Uh, what I need you to do is run upstairs, find a room, and shut the door. That's my Halle Berry. <laughs> That's his Black as I can sound, and girl. Be sure he's on the other side of it first. Okay, hang on. Okay, I'm upstairs. It's shut. Wait, shouldn't I have tried to leave the house instead of trapping myself up here? Kirsty, I'm not going to lie to you yet, but yes. Have you considered a career in law enforcement? We offer an excellent benefits package in case of death and dismemberment, although the pay is shit and most of the calls blow. Actually, no, excuse me. Occasionally you get a serial killer, or as we call it, jackpot, but it rarely ends well. Anyway, I should get going. Thanks for the call. Wait, don't leave me. Oh, my God, he's coming down the hallway now, humming Karma Chameleon. Okay, Debbie, what I need you to do is taunt him verbally. Okay, hang on. <laughs> You're the most generic derivative serial killer ever in the history of movies. <laughs> That's my Abigail. Good work. Now I need you to lock the door so he can't come in and butcher you. Lock it? You didn't say pick a door that locks. Oh my god, he's coming in. Okay, Leslie, it's okay. Death's part of life. Stabbing's just the most painful. Now, you're going to need both hands for this, so I need you to put me on speakerphone, all right? Okay. Now, open the window and throw your shoes out, then hide under the bed. Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> we go wrestling. That's how she sounds. <laughs> Does Kelly Wan think that she was kidnapped twice, Dingus? I think so. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Wand? How come you're not on the floor? Now, hopefully he sees the shoes, thinks you took off, shakes his fist, and goes down and kills someone else. Uh, why would I have taken my shoes off to run? Uh, good point. Okay, put the shoes back on. I already threw them out the window. Okay, Judith, listen to me very carefully. What I need to do is sneak past him... Go downstairs, pick the shoes up from the yard, put them back on, then come back upstairs and hide under the bed again. Are they candies or flip-flops? Hello? Oh, fuck. Hang on. Got to redial. Redialing. Ring, 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 bing, bing. Oh. <laughs> 
Hello? Hey, it's me again. Oscar winner Halle Berry. What up, girl? <laughs> Remember when she said that in the movie? I think he heard the landline ring. Now he's in the bedroom with me sniffing like an asshole. Okay, does he know you're hiding under the bed? Oh, wait, I'm still on speakerphone. Hey, serial killer, you don't have to do this. Come on, go turn yourself in. Did you stop? I don't know, maybe you do have to do it. I'm not a psychologist or anything. My degree is in telemarketing. You think you feel like killing people now, try slinging opera tickets to Yokels and Bakersfield for a couple weeks. It's already done. Aw, oh, see? You guys get a bad rap. You're really just cuddly little misunderstood Dexters. Wait, by done you mean you turned yourself in, right? Hello? <laughs> Wait, I forgot to dispatch the cops. Uh, stay there, all right? Cops will be there in 45 minutes, maybe an hour. I'll be in the quiet room. Hang on while I transfer you to our automated quality assurance survey, okay? I had a lot of time on this one. Six months later, and that's why hitting spacebar can be and often is the difference between life and death and one word in the next. Now then, as you can see from this crane shot and accompanying hand gesture, we call our workspace the hive. Only instead of honey, we make phone calls. Well, receive them, technically. We used to just call it the operations center, but we wound up needing that name for the room where we keep the bees. Long story. <laughs> yes, trainee number six. Uh, number eight, again. Uh, how come you never take calls? Well, that's another long story, but not really. I fucked up and got a chick killed, so now I teach recruits what to call this room. Not even the good ones, either. I get the D-list. Halle Berry's mouth fart. Uh, we will lose... Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I was making fun of his performance. I didn't flub the line. That's good. Uh, wouldn't we learn more from someone who hadn't fucked up? Beats me. And to answer your next question, no, I don't date my students anymore. At least the white ones. Fuck it, pick me up at seven. Okay, so any more questions about workspace nicknames? Last chance. JK, here there are always second chances. Tina, here's my latest protege. I trained her myself, so she'll never freeze up ever. Tina, what do you consider the hardest part of your job besides cleaning the coffee maker and fielding my post-traumatic mood swings? I guess the not knowing how anything ends after the call's over until I glance up and see it on the news right there on that giant flat screen. <laughs> I consider Tina here the best operator I've ever trained. She better be, because self-reliance is what calling 911's all about. Ring, ring. The, the hive, Tina speaking. <laughs> How goes it? <laughs> I've been kidnapped by a serial killer in his trunk. Out of the way, Tina, I got this. <laughs> Tough cat. <laughs> the, the cat is taking over the podcast. <laughs> the movie and the sis. The sis. Tina, I got this. Hey, kidnap impossible murder victim. You're my first case since I got the last girl killed by the same guy. This is pretty exciting. I'm scared. I think the freeway we're on is the... Whoa, girl, slow down. I'll ask the questions here. Now, is there a gun, rocket launcher, or 911 operator in the trunk with you? N no. How about now? No. Hmm. Caller, do you have any ideas? I'm kind of drawing a blank. <laughs> Hang on. There, I just popped out a taillight with a screwdriver. Okay, good work, Tina, but try not to use up all the vodka till I get there, okay? Uh. 
I'm waving my arm through the hole of passing traffic. Which arm, Tina? Left? Ugh. Well, what's done is done. At least your suffering will be over soon. I, oh, wait, I can just make out the license plate. Hang on, Autumn has this DMV app on her phone here. The car's owner's name is an old Chinese woman. I knew it. <laughs> Caller, how much Cantonese do you know? Maybe search the trunk for a takeout menu. Oh. Oh, is that too racist for Vancouver? Hey, man, you got a girl's arm waving from your trunk and some paint. <laughs> Sopranos guy. <laughs> I'm as good as him. Whatever you got going on, can I come? Caller, you out of the trunk and at the police station yet, or what? <laughs> Who's your favorite character, Tom, in the offices? Yeah. Uh, I like your Michael Imperioli quite a bit. I don't know who that is. Hey, man! When I think about the arm, you started sweating and doing shit with your teeth before flooring it in heavy cross traffic, so I figured that meant follow you for the 16 blocks at high speed, which is weird since I beat you here. Did you hear a girl whimper just now? No. Okay, well, I could just walk over there five feet and see the inside of your trunk, which up till now I was pretty inquisitive about, but I think I'm just going to bail. Fuck it, you want to go grab some beers? I like you. Get the fuck out of here, I'm killing you next. Mr. Help, please, someone, something, Imperioli. Whoa, that sure is a crazy ringtone your trunk has. Hey, quit stabbing me. Ow, hey. Still up for the beers? Ow, come on. This is the Sopranos, always dying in car. <laughs> Caller, what the fuck? This is so your generation. Uh, the Unibrow guy from The Sopranos is dead and in the trunk. Oh. Okay, caller. Maybe go through his pockets if he has any money. I only have one hand free, but I'll try. Caller, what's your favorite movie? Uh, I don't know. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, United 93, Martyrs, The Vanishing, the French one. Ugh. I haven't heard of those. I like that one where Kate Hudson's all, My hair's blue! It's blue! They don't make them like that anymore. What are your least favorite movies? I don't know, Catwoman, Swordfish, Gothica, Flintstones, Cloud Atlas, Rich Man's Wife. Were you in Goldmember? Ugh, I wish. Shouldn't we be talking about escape tactics? Oh my god, we're pulling into a gas station. Eh, now nah, he set the attendant on fire. My phone battery's dying. Wait, I see a street sign. I'm on Thomas Guide page. Hold that thought, caller. Just gotta get some cashews. Oh, wait, they're already in my mouth. Oh, that was a close one. Caller, you dead? Ugh. Hi, boss. Can I get a raise? Well, you did everything right this time, assuming your goal was to get three people killed. There was also a car pileup on the freeway from drivers mistaken all those paint splatters for road marks, but pretty sure <laughs> goes on highway patrol. Go home. Stare into space. Here I am, listening to the tape recording since the cops aren't interested. Hey, wait a second. I know that metallic sound anywhere. It's woodpeckers farting in Sherman Oaks. I could just call my boyfriend cop. Now I'll go myself. Wait, should I bring a weapon? Nah, the killer will have some. <laughs> wow, it sure is pitch dark. But luckily, I used my phone operating skills to find this trap door instantly. Oh, drop my phone in the pit. <laughs> my flashlight ought to scare him. Like schlob. <laughs> I do tell him like that. I felt... Ha ha, I hit closet and get murdered. I should have been a phone operator at NASA. 
fuck yeah, now I hit him with a shovel. Should I finish him off or turn my back and free the girl so he has more targets? Oh, no, he's awake. JK kicked him in the head. <laughs> Damn, you chained me up. Well played. When did the police get here? They're not. We're going to leave you here to die of boredom. What? Aren't they going to comb this whole area looking for me and traces of the other victims? What if the kid's story has holes in it and they find me and I get off scot-free because you idiots caused a mistrial? Especially after that shit about closure. Don't end the movie this lame. It's already done. <laughs> the end. <coughs> Aw. Uh, Kelly Wand. Um, there was a lot of acting, uh, Kelly Wand, in your, in your clopsis. Well, I'm as good as the acting in the movie. <laughs> Did the real water. Uh, <laughs> all right, so, uh, Kelly Wand, you sort of uh, balked well, a little bit. That's a compliment, isn't it? Say what? Look how much I wrote about it. That's a compliment. Well, but when when I claimed that we were Brad Anderson fans, you demurred. Uh, what is your problem with Brad Anderson? Have you have you not seen Session Nine? I don't like the last part where the ghost talks in Session Nine. And what was the one after that? There's something uh, vanishing on Session Ten. Well, there was Trans Siberia, which is awful. It's, that's a silly thing about Woody Harrelson and trains. Uh, but then there is Vanishing on 7th Street, which Dingus and I have seen. Have you seen that? No. I don't see movies with math in the title. <laughs> but All right. a good title for this movie. Vanishing on 7th Street. Uh, yeah, you know, like Vanishing on Pico, maybe. <laughs> Vanishing on San Fernando. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of San Fernando. It taps uh, into our fear of vanishing on a street. With he a- also did The Machinist. Oh, of course, right. Uh, yeah, I kind of like that one. I like movies where people go through major weight gains or losses. That always impresses me because they hurt themselves. If they punch themselves in the face, they should get an Oscar. It's <laughs> my logic. Nutritionally. Tom, thoughts? Uh, that I am a Brad Anderson fan, so there. Okay, then it's good. Uh, well, I was until, I mean, he, you know, Trans-Siberia and now The Call. I, it, maybe these are just like his paycheck movies. I, I don't know. It um, felt like a very unpersonal movie. It, it, yeah, it really did. And uh, it sort of just felt like a quick vehicle for Halle Berry. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. I don't know what that means. I will say, I uh, th- this is a movie that you hear about the premise, and you're like, what could possibly happen? So Be good, though. You know, you, you feel the 911 call, and the cops show up, and the movie's over. This should be a... This should be a ten-minute-long premises, like that swimmer one you mentioned. Exactly, one? like the reef. Yeah, the shark yeah. finds people swimming in the ocean. It eats them. Yeah. The movie's over. So you think the call, you know, this should be over in ten minutes. Uh, uh, I... D- I, I was reminded of a similar movie I had seen um, called Amber Alert. Uh, which, Wait, that's yep. the prequel. All right. I no, it's an actual movie. You can you can watch this on Netflix. It's a fairly yeah. recent movie. It's uh, it's found footage. And yeah. the, the premise is there are these kids. I say kids. They're like 20-something uh, kids. There are these kids that uh, 
they're doing they're doing their their audition video for American Idol. I mean, they don't say the name American Idol, but it's definitely something like that. So they're doing their audition video. Um, and it's a it's a, a guy and a girl. They're like 20, and the girl's little brother is the cameraman, and he's carrying the camera. And they're in their car, and they're just shooting footage of them talking, so that the American Idol folks can see, you know, what they're like and cast them on the show. And while they're in the car, oh, they hear about an Amber Alert, and oh, they see. Wait a minute, isn't Either. that the car that was just described? Hey, pull up. Let's check out the license plate. Whoa, that's the license plate. So this movie should have maybe another two minutes in it right. where they call 911 and the cops say, okay, thanks, and, and the movie's over. This movie stretches it out <laughs> over 90 minutes of found footage, uh, a lot of improv from two kids who are really not good at acting. Um, they basically follow the guy, and then there's he's got a girl locked up in the back of the car, and the the – one of the heroes throws the camera microphone into the car they're following so they can hear what he's the killer talking and they follow him to his house and they keep around in his house and uh yeah so Amber with that much trouble just save the girl it's like not building the boat on Gilligan's Island it, it's, and, and plus and a lot of it too is like the, the movie has to come up with convoluted reasons why the cops can't just come out and take care of stuff it's like you know they're busy or they don't believe the kids warning into the yeah, and it's like they're the ones that issued the Amber Alert, and they're, they don't believe the kid's trying to call it in. It, it's ridiculous. So anyway, in comparison, the call was awesome in, in comparison to Amber Alert. As a found footage movie. <laughs> Wait, why? what is an Amber Alert? Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah, an Amber Alert is... Uh, Our uh, following. Well, a lot of times they are... Uh, the. the the implication is that it's somebody being kidnapped, uh, but a lot of times it's custody disputes, that kind of thing. Um, but there, it, there will be a notice issued, like over the radio, and they have billboards on the freeways. Is it just a California thing, Dingus, or is that a nationwide thing? It, it's it's a child abduction alert. That's what it, it literally. The I think the code is CAE. Um, I only know it from California because we have those huge freeway signs, which you see, I think, in this movie. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it's, it's, it was named after this nine-year-old child who was abducted named Amber. That's Alert. depressing. Amber Alert was every time her yeah, parents Amber, hear that. It's like well, but but it's also but anyway, it's a. Uh, which yeah. I think I think it is mainly a California thing. I've never heard of it anywhere else, but maybe yeah. it's spread across the country. Uh, anyway, and there's a movie about it where uh, they apparently it's not a trademarked term. You can call your movie Amber Alert and not be sued. Um, so, uh, so I, another instance of this that I think of though that handles it very well. Uh, have you guys seen Cellular? Yeah, yeah I like it better. Yeah, it's way better as far as like capturing this idea of being on the other side of a phone and frantically not wanting to get disconnected and the tension of of sort of being a, a witness, not not literally, but being able to hear what's going on, but unable, feeling helpless. Uh, Cellular did a really good job of capturing that and of pacing it and of drawing out the action without feeling too contrived. Um, he also has to do different things. Like, He's not, not just, just sitting in a call center. Right. right. Yeah, I remember the one that made me think of, and I like cellular too, but was uh, was breakdown because I remember thinking that <laughs> Russell one is it dumb? Am I stupid for? I, I thought breakdown was dumb, but, but you know. I... <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Here's why I remember thinking it was good at the time was that he has to pretend he's rich because they think he is because he's driving a certain kind of car or something. So they make him go into a bank to like take out a shitload of ransom money that he can't. So he has to like think on his feet 
in the bank and I forget what he How does that tie into being <laughs> on a phone? Well, no, is the kidnappers have someone. Okay, it's it's about <laughs> chases and happening. I just remember liking cellular because uh, because it, isn't that Larry Cohen? Uh, Rob Cohen, isn't it? Oh, you know what? It is Larry Cohen. I think. Well, I just remember him uh, him talking about doing that because I think he also did. Um, what's that? I think he also did phone booth, and there's a that famous story about him having written phone booth and and talking about this this idea of of of, uh, of Hitchcock. And and because he had written Hitchcock movies as well, I mean Larry Cohen, but but he he talked about doing Phone Booth and the whole idea of this confined story, and then then Michael Bay came on to direct it and said, you know, how, how do we get how do we get this thing out of the Phone Booth? Um, yeah, I, so I always I always just I always sort of branch back from Cellular to Phone Booth, but I think Larry Cohen had something to do with Cellular, and I remember really liking that, uh, and and how and w- one of the things I really like about uh, the call is how it sort of stretches out the idea of we're not going to immediately have a battery failure. Wait a minute. <laughs> you minutes. really liked something about the call? Yeah, I did, actually. Was that it? Spoiler, no, I, I liked I liked the first hour or so. I thought it was really, Ooh. really good until it wasn't. Um, and then it got so funny I started laughing at it. But the the first part of the call, I really really liked. There's a lot of stuff in there I really liked, and thought it was this great classic, almost classic thriller for the first part, and then it just falls apart. I yeah, I, I there were moments that I thought were exciting, and I loved some of the police procedural stuff, even though it was very uh, light procedural. But I just liked watching. Okay, now the cops are coming, and now the helicopter's out, and now they're looking for the paint. And I, I like some of the energy and the pacing of some of that stuff. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think there was ever a time I. I it was all padding, and none of it was exciting or unpredictable. Well, I totally, I, I totally disagree because I think um, as the as the movie went on. I started to get this creeping sensation that it's all going to be in the car. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, from the marketing of it, I got this sense that uh, a couple we're going to have a couple of girl murders. Um, we're going to have we're going to wind up somewhere, and then we're going to have a Silence of the Lambs resolution, which is what happened. But I thought most of the movie was going to be this: we're trying to track somebody down. But a lot of the movie is driving around and figuring out where. How do we figure out where this car is? And I really liked a lot of that. It was very – I liked that thriller aspect of it, of, of how do we track this car down and what do we do and how do we find it? And I, and I thought the whole thing was going to be more of this moving. And, and when, we, when we wind up with Halle Berry showing up, of course, the whole thing is just collapses. In this Even before that, though, Dingus, there's so much padding about like her background and, and the goofy stuff about the exposition about how the hive works. and Because like, that's the, st- the stuff you're talking about is the stuff that I liked, where I, I thought it was exciting. But there's right. just so yeah. much Halle Berry starring yeah. stuff to get through, to get to that, that uh, it just felt so bogged down with other stuff. And, and I never trusted that, it, that, it, that Brad Anderson really knew what was good here. Yeah. Um, even the you know Michael Imperioli showing up, that whole yeah, that stuff was, was just totally silly. Pointless. Yeah, yes. it's like okay, we've got it. Yeah, it's like now okay, we need to have something like scary happen. We need to have a you know he's, we've got to up the body count. Let's throw in a random guy. Uh, yeah. 
But that stuff you're describing, though, Dingus, was awesome, and I just wish there was more of it, and I wish the movie trusted that stuff more. Um, it's I, I, interest in its own. It's not even about a call in the end. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it did completely. I mean, the way it falls apart, too. It's not a pit. Yeah. Not just falling apart in terms of... I, I mean, it gets aggressively bad and in poor taste. Every and, payout sucks. And, and like, ridiculous. I mean, the ending was... Just, I mean... I. I, I, I just don't want to see that room, and it's like, oh, boy, on the movie. <laughs> yeah, what movie is this? Oh, oh, when did it become this movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> Take that, Silence of the Lambs. Great. And it's not even that great a reveal. You don't want to see that, and then we finally get to see that, and it's an mannequin head with a wig on it and a bloody bed. Okay, what are we not going to want to see? I didn't want to see that. Uh, I didn't want to see the movie, but... Um, but he made it sound awesome. Yeah, it sounded like there was going to be skins oh. stretched all over the carpet, or who? Oh my gosh, what's going? What are they going to show? This is laundry. That was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to show you laundry or an <laughs> apartment. That, okay, we got to return the security deposit. Oh crap! Yeah, <laughs> it hit rents, uh, and then they even find the house because the fucking pictures. Everything's so shitty. Uh, that's but that's but, the but, but cool. Oh, go ahead, Dingus. I was just going to say, but the, the, the early stuff uh, I thought was really exciting. I thought that, that some of that early Morris Chestnut and Halle Berry stuff was really cool. Uh, I liked the way they, they started to build their relationship. I liked that, that a lot of it got contained in the car, and I wanted to see more of that. And I liked that procedural kind of stuff that was going on, and I didn't begrudge it. Some of the star, uh, we're going to walk around with Halle Berry stuff, I didn't mind that. I, I, the only time I got... Frustrated was at the very end when they started to really take their time all of a sudden at the moment where it's supposed to be the climax of the movie when you're supposed to speed it up. Uh, but that, that first hour, maybe less, until Michael Imperioli chases him down to say no worries. Uh, I thought a lot of that early stuff was really, really good. Really, really? Wow, Kelly Wan Dingus likes half of this movie. You're yeah. slipping, Tom. <laughs> but for not liking it? Uh... <laughs> I didn't like any of it. I was really... I saw the trailer, though, and I know you guys didn't, and I remember thinking during the trailer, like, oh, it's going to be that, and then this is going to happen. Like, I could pl- I could connect every single dot. So maybe... But I could anyway. It wouldn't matter. You know what? Fuck that. You didn't and, like any of it? Uh, I wanted to, because I like those kind of movies, like Cluster, like a... Because No Way Out is kind of another dumb, good movie, where it's just like you're watching a fax come through for 90 minutes but it's somehow suspenseful. It's the same thing where it's like I couldn't tell if her character was smart or dumb. I couldn't tell if she was making... It seemed like everything that was happening was so random that she was making it worse for the kid. Like, it made me wish Autumn was in the trunk and she had her work really cut out for her. So the kid was, like, doing more... Like, she didn't panic. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. None of the call... Uh, there were brief moments where I, I sort of glimpsed what could have been a good movie. I liked uh, I liked the bit where she wants to leave a message for her mom. Like that was kind of touching. Um, oh, I missed that because I went to the bathroom. <laughs> That's moving uh, too. Uh, I but. guess I kind you know I talked about the procedural stuff. I loved those uh, sexy uh, police cars, not like those old crown. What do you call those old? Crown Vic. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and these new ones there. I don't know. Are they like Challengers? What are those? Must the Dodge Chargers? Aren't they? Chargers. Those are hot. Holy cats! 
those those were about the sexiest thing in this movie. Uh, way hotter than Halle Berry, by the way. I mean, Halle Berry's gorgeous. Fucking uh, poodle wigs, bro. Oh, what's up with that wig? Why, why I did know. You... I don't want to look at that thing. It's the whole movie, too. Can't get away from it. It's all wig, all screen. Uh, how is it that the cops missed that bunker? When they, like, have, have the cops, have the cops not read Lovely Bones? Like, how, how does that happen? That you go out and you don't realize that the murderer has a bunker. And also things too, like, uh, so the crime scene where Michael Imperioli was killed, uh, the little examiner chick is out there dusting for fingerprints, and it, it's Morris Chestnut who notices Hey, this shattered bottle of chloroform. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should That's dust that for prints. That yeah. Dark Knight Rises, the dump truck. Hey, wait, this means that they're all in the thing. Remember? Or it's like the partner, it, or it's like in the in the in the house, like noticing the picture, and and obviously, well. Wherever that picture was taken, that's where he must be. That cottage, if it burned down, well, it's the cottage in the background. I mean, <laughs> all that stuff is so implausible. He's renovating it. Oh, my God, I said renovating. Well, how about the very beginning when she actually calls 911 and there's a dude at the back door? Run out the front door of right. your house. <laughs> right. Scream. No, run upstairs and hide somewhere and don't say anything to the neighbors. And then talk to me on the phone and hope he doesn't hear you, a young girl, panicking and talking to me on the phone instead of just not saying anything waiting and trying to buy time and how can the serial killer doesn't notice that uh either of them have a phone even though phones seem to be his kryptonite anyway after the first episode <laughs> but isn't check abigail breslin for a phone but she has well, no, a he, no he, he drops her he makes her drop her cell phone and she's carrying her slutty girlfriend's uh temporary phone that she set up. his victims he just waits in a parking structure with the motor running and then no uh, he was he was watching them the whole time okay yeah. yeah, I mean, you see him in the mall, and you in the the, the whole cinematic the, the cinematic language in that food court is that he's watching them. But and Kelly Wand is right, particularly. Though, Kelly Wand is right though that it's a really dumb movie. Like the script is just really stupid. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, here's one point though where it's not stupid, where I was sure it was going to be stupid. At this point, I was like, oh, this movie is going to completely screw it up." When Halle Berry says to Abigail Breslin. Uh, hey, sweetie, what's your favorite movie? And I was like, oh, God, here we go. She's going to say, like, Hunting Games, or, uh, I mean, Hunger Games. or Hunting Games. <laughs> that's actually what I wrote in my notes, uh, Hunting Games. And I was like, wait, that's not what it's called. Or that she's going to say, like, a Twilight movie or Pretty Woman or something. But when she rolls out uh, Bridesmaids, I was like, hey, all right, good answer. Good on you, no. Cause I mean, no. Because people always say their favorite movie is something that came out two years ago. Like, they have no... Kelly, no. Wait, wait, you're saying that... And she's a 12-year-old girl. Wait, how old is she? Well, I do agree. I did wonder, wait a minute, isn't Bridesmaids rated R? So she should not have seen that. So we have not to... for, for fucking smoking or something. Bridesmaids? Uh, it's a soft R. It's Kelly language. Wand, it opens with uh, with sex with John Hamm. You don't see it. Uh, that would have been an R, almost. <laughs> Besides, that's the cleanest sex you're probably ever going to see. But John come on, Kelly Wand, think of all the movies she could have said. Come on, Bridesmaids is a great choice, don't you is think? Is that why she picked it for that scene? I I was on board at that point. I was prepared to whatever. I was dreading what she was going to say. And when she said Bridesmaids, I was like, all right, good. good and then Halle Berry goes, oh, wasn't that great at the end with the sandwich and Melissa McCarthy? Mm, she didn't say that, though. I know, but what are they bonding over, really? <laughs> well, they're going to go see it. After they leave uh, poor Michael Eklund in the basement, they're going to go check out uh, Bridesmaids. They're going to rent it. Anymore. They're going to uh, rent it, Kelly Wan. One of them has it on DVD, I'm sure. 
Is it repeat valuable? Bridesmaids? Yeah. How many times have you seen it? I've seen Bridesmaids like three times. It's great really? every time. Yeah, come on. You're weird, Ding, I think it was on Dingus' top ten. That was one of my favorite movies. Wait, were you just perving on Kristen Wiig, or you were like, ah, this shitting in the street scene every time gets me? This so, you know, the, the perv-worthy actress in, in Bridesmaids is, of course, Ellie Klempner. Klim- yes. It's her. So that's the Agreed. focus of the perving. But no, Kristen Wiig is awesome, no matter how you cut it. They both are. Yeah, so... Wait, so what's your point? My point is that was a non-sucky part of the call. Oh. Come on, how many what, How many ways could that have gone wrong? And at that point, how many other things in the movie have gone wrong that they, that, that they get something right? Come on, Dingus, you're with me on this, right? Wasn't that a great answer? Yeah, I thought there was a bunch of things that were really great about I mean, the, the early part, I, I really like that uh, her parents don't show up and act simpery. That, that never happens. I really liked... Um, I really like the supervisor that she starts out as this hard-nosed yeah. bitch and then she she helps her through the difficult part of it. I really like I and plus I really like that actress anyway. Uh, she was the bad guy in Nick of Time too, which is kind of a similar movie cuz there's a phone involved. Roma Mafia was in that? I All right. Well, I really like that that actress and I like that they kind of change her her character a little bit. I I mean I liked a bunch of stuff until it totally falls apart. Uh, I here's where uh, I see part of why I'm really disappointed in Brad Anderson is I think he should know better than some of these things. I didn't like a lot of the stuff like the micro camera shoved up really close to the actress's face. Um, it seemed like a Sam Raimi kind of thing. I didn't like him doing that. I hated whatever he thought he was doing with those freeze frame effects during the uh, Michael Imperioli uh, beating. Yeah, well, I don't know what that it? was. Padding. One more kind of padding right there. <laughs> um, and but here's though where I really was like Brad Anderson, come on, don't you're you're losing me. Had me um, Here's where so poor little Abigail Breslin. Um, I, so everybody, you know, she's like America's sweetheart kind of. She's the little girl from uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, she's Little Rock from uh, from Zombieland. You know, America loves Abigail Breslin. Um, so if you're going to cast her in this movie and make us sort of fear for her safety, that's fine. That That's an effective thing to do for, for your movie. But if you were then going to brutalize her like this, I just was really uncomfortable oh. with that. With, like, stripping her down to her bra and that black eye effect and, and like, cutting her for I was really uncomfortable with that, not because... I necessarily think you shouldn't do that in a movie, but because once you start doing that in a movie, I'm going to feel a very particular way. And if you want me to feel that way, then that's fine. You need to realize your movie is doing that. Like, if, if you want to make me feel like, you know, if you do something like that in a movie like Martyrs or Irreversible or Inside or that Hills Have Eyes remake, you know, if you want to show brutality against a woman and have that affect my experience of the movie, that's a valid way to make a movie. But if you're going to toss that into a kind of a pop-boiler thriller like this, it doesn't work for me. I mean, if I'm going to see this movie about, you know, this girl in danger, and I don't want to see Abigail Breslin, like, stripped down and given a black eye like that. It just felt really icky to me and uncomfortable and unnecessary and, and kind of gross. And it reminded me of... A guy that we love to hate on this podcast is uh, Eli Roth, 
<laughs> and Eli Roth took Don Wiener. She's the the she's the the actress's name is is Heather Matarazzo, and she played Don Wiener in Welcome to the Dollhouse. And everybody felt sorry for Don Wiener in Welcome to the Dollhouse. And Heather Matarazzo, just a, a lovely little girl and a great performance in in that movie in Welcome to the Dollhouse. And then Eli Roth cast her. I think it's Hostel Two. He casts her in Hostel Two, and he strings her up upside down. And they, they, I think they slit her throat or something. But, but he literally bleeds her to death hanging upside down. And if I'm not mistaken, she might have even been nude. Um, yeah. And it was just icky and weird, and I didn't want to see it. But it's and, a woman getting bullet, like enjoyed. See, it's a woman who I'd sort of seen as a little girl going through a tough time. You know, that's some baggage that I that I have following actors as I do like I was thinking this is Don Wiener and it just felt weird and gross and and so that's what this reminded me of is this sort of graphic brutality against Abigail Breslin I just I didn't appreciate and it felt out of place and I was very uncomfortable with that Uh, the Canadian audience gasped in horror collectively when he punched her Uh, and maybe he was trying to set up their ending in a half-assed way like uh, see she gets punched in the eye so She's paying it forward with chains. I'm, I'm confused, Tom. Do you feel the same way about Brooke Smith in Silence of the Lambs? Uh, no, because Silence of the Lambs earns that tone. Like, I think the, the sense uh, okay. of peril. And also, by the way, in Silence of the Lambs, I mean, she's distraught and she's very upset and you, you sympathize with her. But you don't see, like, like her being, like, hurt and brutalized physically. Like, it's not as graphic about what happens to her. Um, you know, it, we, we it, it it clearly sets up the stakes, and we know what could happen to her, but it's just it's it's not as brutal, I think. Um, is it an age thing? Partly, um, like Brooke Smith. It, I, Brooke I Smith is. It, go ahead. Well, Brooke Smith, like I know her as a, as a you know I know she's got a theater background, and I think it wasn't until after Silence of the Lambs she was in uh, an, uh, Uncle Vanya on Seventh Street. Like I have some sort of background for her, but I never saw her as like a little girl as an actress oh, okay. uh, doing stuff. So that that's certainly part of it. Um, and and you know you can have these like crappy horror movies where some throwaway actress, and even if I've seen the actress in something else, gets sort of stabbed or whatever, and that's like gore and it's fine and it's dopey and it's part of the horror movie. But this kind of like psychological horror where you really care about a character and then do brutal things to that character. Uh, there's a place for that, and the place for that is not a, a by-the-numbers thriller like The Call, I feel. For me in Hostel 2, uh, at the end of the movie, that girl's friend uh, basically buys the company. like She does business with the people who did that to get revenge on her personal antagonist. So in a way, she's kind of selling out the Heather Matarazzo character more, too. Well, Hostel 2 is just trash. I mean, there's nothing to that. And and, and you're right, Kelly Wan, that that's obviously what Brad Anderson thinks he's doing here, is setting up that ending where they're then going to give him what he deserves. Uh, and and it, it, I just Damn, you know, it fails. It's, it's ridiculous. It fails completely. Like, that's, that's not earned. There's no call for that. They're not behaving like actual characters at that right. point. Uh, it, it's absurd and ridiculous, and it, you know, all it's done is just made me feel icky for seeing that black eye effect on Abigail Breslin. Um, well, yeah, and he's giving you the, oh, but she'll get her, like, she, he's going to at least give you the lurid death wish part where right. she gets it back, and then she doesn't really get him back, so you only get to see the lame part. 
I think the implication is he's going to like starve to death down there or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if they don't find him, we don't know that they don't. Well, sequel. Well, no matter what happens, I mean, it's just such a stupid ending because no matter what happens to him, eventually that place is going to be found. There's going to be enough evidence to track the two of them down. It's just, it's 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 as no, if like, Halle Berry's character never worked in the police force right. at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the arc they wanted us to have for her. Or is it? It plays like a television program or a Twilight Zone episode. The ending has no bearing on what happens in the first part of the movie. Twilight Zone had payoffs that were established. Yeah, Dingus, don't go dissing Twilight Zone. Dare you? I apologize. Uh, Did you guys recognize the villain? Do you know who that guy is? Uh, Yeah, uh, it's all over the place. uh, Is he always a serial killer? Usually, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's really good at it. I really. Uh, we saw him in The Divide, that horrible yeah, thing was... about the people. Uh, yeah. Oh, I tried to block that movie out because I broke my foot that night. You guys. Made... Also, uh, this will be another opportunity for Dingus to make fun of Ashley Bell. Uh, he's in a movie called The Day, which is about like post-apocalyptic cannibals, and he's the craziest of the post-apocalyptic cannibals. Uh, and you know this because, uh, not just because he's crazy, because he has like a mohawk. Uh, and and Ashley Bell fights him, I think. Who wins? Ashley Bell, of course. Wireless movies, the something, which should be the title of the next one. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> the happening. Uh, you guys yeah. know also Halle Berry fights a great white shark in um, Dark Tide. This the is remake? like. Is that a re- no? The, it's not a remake of something. Dark Tide is it's like the call. But instead of a 911 operation center, it's a charter boat. And instead of a serial killer, it's a, a great white shark. What do you think of that? And instead of a phone, it's... It is a rich South African played by Ralph Brown, who <laughs> uh, most many some folks might know from With Nail and Die. Yes, but how does he like his coffee? What's that from, Dingus? This movie. I, I like my coffee oh. strong. I like my coffee not see-through. Right. Dark yeah, Dingus, that's, that's the stuff Dingus loved about Halle Berry and uh, perennial policeman Morris Chestnut, <laughs> who we just saw in uh, Identity Thief. They both have – it's like their last names or – never mind. Berry and Chestnut. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's beautiful, Kelly Wan. Why it's did I even think of that? See, black people have cool names. There's a dude in Barnaby Rudge named Sim Tappertit. One, two, three. Oh. Not only you and me. Just one lady that breathes and I'm close in between. Oh. Counting one, two, three. Ah, ah. Kelly Wan, there's nowhere you can go after Tappertit. Sim Tappertit. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It's like He's foreseeing computers. Uh, so did you guys uh, catch the bat scare in this movie? Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. It was, uh, Halle Berry was the victim of it. <laughs> right? It wasn't a baseball bat, though. No, an actual bat, literally. Actual, yeah. actual word bat being pronounced by... Folio. That's terrifying. So cheap. The whole fucking movie. It's like shot on one road. You know, Ding is like the first time. Yeah, oh, you know what? But it, I live around that road, so I kind of enjoyed that part. Also, 
Dingus, why don't you explain this? What oh, happens, Dingus, when you're watching when you're watching a movie and you see someone you know? Does it screw up the movie for you, Dingus? Explain what happened to us. Uh, we're sitting there watching the movie, and the trainees come in, and one of the trainees, the coolest of the trainees, not the idiot boy, uh, but the cool girl, is uh, is one of our friends. She's a she's the wife of a, a guy I went to college with. Uh, the idiot boy is a friend of mine. He just died. No, I'm sorry to hear that, but he deserves it. Okay. So at that point in the movie, though, I am completely out of the movie. Anything that's going on, I'm not paying any attention to. I'm just sitting there watching Tara going, hey, that's Tara. I'm going to yeah. watch her act in this. I'm, I'm watching her. I'm ignoring Halle Berry. I'm not listening to anyone. I'm just, like, looking at the person I know. And that's kind of cool to see. But if I had liked this movie, I would have been so mad at Tara. I would have been like, <laughs> oh, well, you also refer to that as the part of the movie that you liked, too. Like, oh, that early part where I knew someone and zoned out for 10 minutes. That was great. <laughs> well, I, I was like, I was so glad to see her because that's, that's a great part. She had a good part, and she did well with it. And, uh, yeah, that was very cool to see. Do but, I know her? Am I excited to hear this anecdote? Uh, no, but if you come out to L.A. and hang out with us long enough, you, you uh, might get to meet her. Um, so on, 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 on that note... I want to apologize to anyone who's like watching, uh, like, like West Wing, for instance, and they have to they have to deal with like seeing my stupid mug and me talking. Like I don't know if you'd like look at me in the scene or whatever, but I just I, I really feel awful if anybody knows me and likes a show and has to put up with seeing me there. So sorry, what? folks. We talk- so, I, I love West Wing, and you are value added. Don't worry about it, Tom. Yeah, you know what? I don't believe that. I, I seriously believe if if somebody if you know somebody. And not like because you're like in the business and you know everyone, but if you know somebody on and, and you see them pop up in a show, you are no longer watching the show. You're taken out of the show. So while that's very kind of you to say, Dingus, I feel like I've screwed up West Wing for anybody who knows me. So Well, I, I have a problem with your pen, but other than that, I really like your stuff. In Nobody it. knows what you're talking about. Uh, you were played a reporter, though, and you're a video game reviewer, according to the Heart of the Spawn comments. So you're typecast. Uh, and the gay I, thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, well, no one knows what you're talking about either. Oh, pen. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, that, that was kind of cool to see our friend. But man, it totally takes me out of a movie when that happens. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> and then you parlayed that into, hey, remember when I was on that show 30 years ago? I just want to apologize because I, I don't – that doesn't – doesn't that screw – I don't know. Whatever. You didn't mind when you, your pipe dropped on stage. That's theater. That's that's okay. That's okay. Oh. Theater, yeah. Theater is real. TV and movies, not real. That's how that works. Anyway, let's do a three by three. Found footage version of. What is this week's three by three? Oh God. <laughs> These are your three favorite crowd scenes. All right, yeah. Kelly, you were introducing next week's three by three. So why don't you start us off? My third favorite crowd scene in a movie on the podcast we're discussing is in Braveheart when everyone mooned the uh, British army. And then the part I like is that they get arrows shot at them, and then some of them do take arrows in the asshole. Which, to, But they didn't all turn around. Like Some did the shields, but some were like, no, it's worth it. And they just kept doing it. And that's the part of crowd I want to be of. Dingus, did you expect you'd be getting that sort of uh, response? Great ass. I didn't expect something that thoughtful from Kelly. <laughs> You're welcome, Internet. I'm always here for you. 
Uh, my number three pick is um, I, I love the way Ridley Scott does the chase scene in Blade Runner uh, with the crowd and the street. And I just I've seen that movie so many times. I just love looking at all the detail in that. Uh, it just, you know, to to let Harrison Ford and I get is he chasing Joanna Cassidy there? Yeah, I should know this by now. Uh, to just to just let that scene just go through so much detail. There's just so much to see there, and it's so busy. And I just have in my head too uh, that isn't there like a talking crosswalk that's saying don't walk, walk don't now, walk, walk. Oh yeah, now. walk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have those in Canada, by the way. Well, they great. have those around. Yeah, that's you know, Blade Runner was a uh, you. All right. Yeah. I'm living. Uh, in that. Do you mean when he when he shoots her that part? No, of no. It's uh, it's when it's at the chase. It's it's when it's before he shoots her. Uh, it's when she doesn't she run out on the street and is looking the for rain, her. Rain. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Oh, when, he, when all he's those, tracking her. Okay. Yeah, and there's all those people with like umbrellas that have neon handles. It just it's goofy and you know it's the future. Who knows what people are going to do in the future? Uh, but it just looks awesome, and it's so busy, and uh, and doesn't he even like hop up on a car so he can see farther? Um, yeah, I, you know, I like, I actually really like that because because uh, suddenly you triggered that. I think in the original story, isn't one of the differences between the 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 original story and the movie? In the original story, isn't it that the world is underpopulated? Yes. In the movie, it's utterly crowded by scenes like you're talking about, Tom, and I really like that because I can picture it. Leave it, to dingus, to ling- leave it to Dingus to bring up some dick. Leave it to Dingus. He almost said Lingus just then. <laughs> it's like the book where it, you didn't have to show the crowd. He doesn't have the crowds, and in the movie, he adds crowds for more money. And that was like a real crowd-looking crowd, too. And I remember right. in the previews for it, they were like, just fine, four replicants in a city of six bazillion motherfucking crowds. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Man, I love the way they used to do trailers. I think it's what is your number three pick for a favorite crowd scene? Maybe you got a right, line for us. Here's, here's a quote from it. If she weighed the same as a duck, oh. made of wood. I no almost, one knows that, Dingus. I, no one would ever guess that. That's obscure. Uh, 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 is that a crowd? <laughs> it's really more of a mob. You're right, Kelly. Uh, it's not so much a crowd as a mob. So, of course, it's the the crowd of people who are gathered around the uh, woman who's accused and have brought forward the woman to be accused of being a witch in Monty Python and the Holy Grail from 1975, directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. No, I just, I, and I just love the way the I, one of the things I like about crowd certain crowd scenes is the way that uh, a crowd has character and the different people in the crowd exhibit their character without being just a bunch of ridiculous extras and uh, and in many Ma- Monty Python uh, movies you get a lot of crowds with a lot of uh, a whole lot of richness of character within the crowd and that's one of the things I really liked about the three things I chose, although my number two is going to make you guys hurl. But, uh, but this, <sighs> this one, I, I just, I really love the way everybody sort of chips into this and the way the, the crowd shapes the scene. 
So there you go. Uh, I, I almost went, Dingus, with uh, the Sermon on the Mount from Life of Brian, where they can't hear what Jesus is saying because the <laughs> crowd is so big and they're so far back. I just love the idea of, you know, Jesus was really popular, so it's probably hard to hear in the back of the crowd what he was actually saying, that blessed are the cheesemakers bit. Uh, but I didn't want to stoop so low as to pick a Monty Python movie. I, I think that was wise. Kellyanne, <laughs> what is your number two pick for a favorite crowd scene? Uh, it's a different crowd scene from Life of Brian. Uh, oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> fucking assholes. But it's where there was all number twos, except for Tom and his fucking snobby fucking Prometheus crowd. But uh, my favorite crowd in Life of Brian is where they're outside camped, and he's like he has sex i think and then penis. Uh, yeah penis and he shows his penis to the whole crowd and they're all yeah and it's like a major point of the plot because like the re- he can't ditch the crowd for the next 15 minutes of the movie and they're saying it's like the mom's telling him get the fuck out of here i'm adding a lot of f words but it's keeping me awake and then they're all well all right like they all say at the same time so there was more acting involved in that oh, crowd. God, I forgot about that. Oh, see? And then they argue like, no, oh. it's Gord's this and the sandals that. Wait, uh. you're saying the acting's not good compared no. to the maker crowds? Uh, I, see, I, I remember fondly that, you know, the Greeks shall inherit the earth. They already own half of the bloody thing. Like, I, I liked, I remember, <laughs> I think <laughs> those are one. funny. And your, your thing about the whole crowd talking in unison is just like, I remember that being weird. It's like, what? what, what they keep do doing it, it forever. Well, I know, it's part of the whole point about, like, a crowd following a prophet. It's, the mom's starting to – yeah, but then it's like the mom kind of starts getting into it. Yeah, okay, you know what? Maybe I do like that. Kelly Wand, you've, you've won me over, Kelly Wand. And Dingus is the second best, and yours is the least good. No offense. I still have two more to pick, though. That's true. Okay. But you wouldn't go as so low as to – There's none of them a Monty Python. You're not going to find any Monty Python in my 3x3. Three three. Dingus is number one. It's going to make us hurl. Number two is going to his, – his second pick is the one he says we're not going to like. Um, all right. Well, my second pick – and this this recall, recalls a, uh, a a very insightful comment made by a friend of ours named Aaron Kane who, uh, in talking about Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, mentioned that one of the reasons – one of the things that Spielberg brings to this movie is as the director of Schindler's List and someone who is obviously influenced by the Holocaust, uh, he knows how to make a movie about refugees – um, and, and that colors a lot of the scenes. It, is that funny? Why are you laughing at the Holocaust, Kelly Wand? I'm just laughing at Dingus, who's laughing at the Holocaust because he hates Jews. But, but he knows that Spielberg knows how to make scenes about refugees and displaced populations. And, and you get a really good sense of that in War of the Worlds. It seems like where Tom Cruise drives up uh, to the diner, you know, and he's in a car and there's the people there. Or, or the crowd watching the burning train go by. Um, but the, Or even, you know, the crowd stumbling into Boston at the end. Um but the one that really, you know, the, the scene in there specifically that I think is just really this, just one of my favorite scenes in there is that ferry scene with the crowd pressing to get into the ferry and the way that the ferry has to leave when they see the tripods coming and just the sense of chaos and people getting pulled apart from each other. Um, I, I love too, that ferry. It's, it's oh, slow. The other one. I was no, thinking no. the other one, sorry. Um, the first but I, I just. Uh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, the first the crowd looking at the, you know, this crowd of people in New York coming together in the street to look at something. Yeah. Uh, it even, slowly it, becomes a mob of terror. terror right, mob. right. Um, but, yeah, it's later on in the movie that it's sort of more colored by Spielberg doing a story about displaced people, you know, refugees. Um, right. So uh, my, my second favorite is the ferry crowd, you know, folks trying to get onto the boat in um, 
It's all crowds the whole movie, though, most mostly. My favorite crowd in that movie is the one that comes down the river while the dot Dakota Fanning's <laughs> trying to take the key. That was yeah. some stellar acting in that, yeah. By the crowd? Yeah. They had to hold or their breath. Oh, right. Swept down the it river. really hurt. Yeah. Is what, give us a, a line from your number two choice, the one that's going to make us hurl uh, for your favorite crowd scene in a movie. I, I'm going to give you a bit of dialogue from this movie. Okay. All right, here we go. We found something. We won't tell nobody. Uh, it's a southern accent. I can sort it. So it's Midnight Run and not Miller's Cross. It's not Midnight Run. Here's the here's the final scene. Uh, the final line in this little sequence. It's good to have you back, Spider Man. What? Wait, what was the first one? Seems like forever ago. <laughs> we found something. We won't tell nobody. Tell nobody. Why am I so dumb, Tom? It's a Spider-Man movie. I couldn't care. I mean, or is it? Scene one, you've seen them all. Is it uh, the toy with Richard Pryor where the kid dresses as Spider-Man? Yes. And they call Master Bates. Yes. Okay. So it was my uh, it's not. It's not U.S. It's U.S. Sorry, Kelly. Uh, so it's Spider-Man Two, and it's the uh, scene on the subway train where um, after Spider-Man has stopped the train from flying off of Manhattan and has been carried back into the car, sort of, uh, uh, what's that What's that musical where they carry Jesus over? like Starlight um, Express. Yeah, Starlight Express. And they, and they put Spider-Man into the car, and the crowd is all around him in this subway car, and uh, Spider-Man wakes up and realizes, gee, my mask is off, and all these people now know who I am. And these two little boys bring his mask to him and say, here you go, and we're not going to tell anybody about this. And I, I, just, I, I just saw this this week. I, I watched uh, the, the two Spider-Man movies. I watched the one Spider-Man movie with my son uh, for the first time after seeing the Oz movie because I wanted to, you know, see some of Sam Raimi's oeuvre. Uh, and then he he wanted to see Spider-Man too, so we watched that as well. And I'd forgotten this. I mean, it's just a very touching little scene where this crowd of New Yorkers. Um, there's a there's a New Yorker moment in the first one where it's like you mess with us, you mess with all of us. But I really like this because it's it's for a superhero movie. It's got this nice little bit of intimacy of yes, all of us on this train realize you saved our lives. Uh, we all know who you are now, or we could at least reveal your identity if you wanted to, and we're not going to do that because we're glad to have you back, and here's your mask, and go on about your way. So I love that little crowd scene. Uh, if Anthony Michael Hall had been on that train, he would have totally uh, given Spider-Man over. Or Trans-Siberian. <laughs> How do you Wait. know about that movie, Kelly Wan? I told you about it if, uh, okay. earlier. <laughs> I hate that crowd, though, because at one point he tries some and it fails, and they're like, what else you got? They're like total dicks to Spider-Man. Like, well, yeah, just the driver of the subway car. He's like, what else you got? And Yeah. It's he just that do. guy. He's the driver of the subway car. He feels bad because he can't do anything. No, he's being, he's like, Spider-Man could just go, you know what? You're right. I got nothing. Good luck. And See ya. Web's yeah, that's, way. that's not what Spider-Man does. And everybody looks after him. They take care it's of him. Chin. I love that crowd. Mm. Mm. The kids are all right. All right, well, Kelly Wan, here's your chance. What's a better example of a crowd scene? What have you chosen for your number one pick? 
Oh, did you ever see that Roman Polanski movie, The Tenant? I think I bring it up once every third year in the podcast. This is our third year, right? Uh, like- I've never seen The Tenant, but I saw... I think I saw a horror movie called The Superintendent. <laughs> is it Pat Harrington? Taps into our fears of him. Is it American? I'm more interested in what you're talking about. Super, it's not, maybe it's just called the Super. No, it's some really crash. That's so like, actually uh, learning a lesson. Oh, you might be right. No, it, but it's some terrible '70s horror movie with complete with like these gross splatter effects about this like killer superintendent in an apartment building. I'm trying to think of cool taglines for it. His belt will have your skin. <laughs> Uh, but no, you know what? I don't know. I, I am uh, my Polanski is woefully He'll inadequate. I don't know the tenant. I feel like I should. He'll rewire you permanently. <laughs> what do they do? He'll fix your sink. See, the, uh, superintendent brought dogs into my apartment this morning. Look for bed bugs. Can we turn that into a tagline? They have dogs that do that now. Oh, okay. I don't have them, though. It's interesting. Well, but Kelly Wan, so tell us what the crowd scene is from the tenant. Oh, okay, so Roman Polanski is this dude who looks like Roman Polanski. Oh, yeah, he's in it. Right. That makes me want to see it even more. And um, he gets this apartment from a chick who tried to kill herself by jumping out the window. And the thing's still broken. They like show, they're showing in the apartment. And yeah, she jumped down there, and it's like all shattered. And then as the movie goes on, his neighbors start trying to turn him into her. So then there's a part. That's uh, kind of a spoiler. Are you going to watch it? I feel bad ruining it for you. Dingus Wait, did, did she jump off the 12th floor black balcony? Tom, what's he doing? I don't know. I don't know That's that funny. one. I don't know what Dingus he's is doing. He's stumping you. He keeps doing it. He's doing jokes. Why does he keep doing them? Keep uh, going. Sorry, anyway, so it's like it, they look like normal people, but then he hallucinates that they're all demons. So you're like, oh, see, it taps into our fear of crowds, like that Bradbury story. And then he like throws himself over into it again, which means he's not her because he wouldn't have done it twice. <sighs> is that Bradbury story where like accident victims, they yeah. move them? Uh, wow, why do I remember? Oh, no, what? what? Wait, what are you saying? I, don't, I, I just vaguely remember some some horror short story about uh, a crowd that assembles around accident victims yeah, it's and the moves same. them to further injure them or to kill them. Or like, the idea that. is when somebody's been injured, you don't move them. Maybe I'm thinking I might be thinking of what you're thinking of, but I'm just remembering it wrong. Um, like, what I'm thinking of sounds, like, way grosser than something Bradbury would do, like, way more mystery. His early stuff, October Country, horror stories, a lot of good shit in there. There's that one where the guy gets obsessed with his skeleton. He has, like, a fear of it. So this guy's Oh, like, well, that you know, come to think of it, I mean, Bradbury is something wicked this way comes. So that's, yeah. like, that's horror. That's not like, hey, we're going to Mars and it's lovely. Did you read The Small Assassin, where this baby, it ends with the... Pediatrician about to stab this evil baby with a fucking <laughs> That's Ray Bradbury? Yeah, it's really dark. There's a lot of his early shit was great. So what's the the crowd thing? So so there there's like a the, the Roman Polanski movie is a bit like this Bradbury story you're talking about, right? Well, well not really. It's because I thought you would gravitate more to the Bradbury story because I wouldn't want to ruin the tenant too much. Because I think you're gonna watch it later tonight. Well now I know what happened, so I don't need to. 
Read the crowd and tell me what the fuck the crowd does. It's actually called the crowd. Yeah. He couldn't give it a, a more, he couldn't come up with a better name. Yeah, it's just the something, the jar, the candle, the uh, call, the call, the, the day, the divide, cellular three. <laughs> All right, my number one crowd scene. I don't know if I'm going to be disqualified for this. You guys will have to let me know. Where is he fucking? You don't even see the scene. This is not a scene in a movie. This is someone remembering a crowd scene. Um, so in 28 Days Later, uh, we we meet, uh, you know, uh, Killian Murphy's like stumbling around. He's like all alone in London. And he hooks up with two people who are going to be like his badass saviors for the rest of the movie. There's the dude and the chick. And obviously the dude's going to be the hero of the movie. He's a dashing looking fellow and he seems very competent. Uh, and during a scene where they're all hidden, sort of a uh, bunkered down for the night uh, in a, I think a subway uh, in a convenience store area of a subway. Uh, Mark, the the character who's going to be our main character for the rest of the movie, recalls how uh, he was with his family trying to leave the country at, I think, a train station uh, when someone in the crowd gets infected and the infection spreads through the crowd. And he has a monologue about being there and being separated from his family and, I think, standing on a kiosk looking for him while the rage virus spreads through the crowd and, and turns them to you know, ravening zombies for all intents and purposes. Uh, and I love the fact that you know, one of the tricks that 28 Days Later does, as you might guess from the title, is you're not there for the actual incident. You're there for the aftermath. You know, our protagonist slept through it, literally, and then wakes up after the fact. Uh, so one way to do an end run around having to shoot an expensive crowd scene is to just have an actor telling us about it. Uh, and I, I really like that character's recollection of that crowd scene. Uh, and I like how it makes us identify with him, uh, how it's this this great bit of character development. You're like, okay, I like this guy. He's cool. He's going to be our hero. And then shortly thereafter, of course, he's summarily dispatched to show us kind of the ruthlessness of this world. Um, so it's a scene we don't even see, but it's one that we are told about. Um, does that count? Have I, uh, have I broken uh, three by three dingus or Kelly wand? You like that crowd less than the Indianapolis casualties that Quint discusses? It's not a crowd. It's that's that's sort of men bobbing around in the water. It's not a crowd. Ah, uh, men bobbing. <laughs> Got it. Dingus dead silent. No, I I actually love I I love that description. Uh, the thing the thing I love most is that you tried to uh, use the word bunkering instead of hunkering. But uh, uh, Dingus, but, any any noun in the English language can be used as a verb. That's a characteristic like of the bobbing. English language. No, no, no. Bun- bun- bunkering is a word. I totally agree. It does, just doesn't mean what you think it means. But but other than that, I love. I actually totally love that that description. I really love it. Okay, good. I Hold just, on. I'm going to go to Urban. You, I'm going to Urban just, Dictionary to look up bunkering. Go ahead, because that made me laugh to myself. It's hunkering Tom's, down. It's not bunkering. Tom's yeah, you know, dictionary. A bunker is a place where you defend yourself. So if you bunker down, you're, you're going to sleep there for one thing. Plus, it's like a bunker. You're going to defend yourself. So it's a place where you sleep in a defensive posture. It's bunkering. You know what bunkering means, right? What? What does it mean? It means... I thought that was felching. It's like putting... Gas in a ship or something. It has nothing to do with it, but it's 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 a funny thing because it's it's hunkering down. Hunkering down is the term. Oh. Yeah. Is else. No, but if you're, hunker, Dingus, if you're gonna hunker down somewhere where you will be bunking for the night, it is bunkering. Yeah. 
<laughs> bunkering. I love that. But, really but don't yeah. let that take away from the fact that uh, your description of that crowd scene that Mark talks about gave me chills. So that's a that's a great crowd okay. scene, even if it doesn't exist uh, in the actual uh, celluloid of the movie. I really like the idea. And so, yeah, I'm not going to disqualify that. Good. But, and, and you know what's kind I'm of funny? Call you bunkering. Nah, I'm going to we'll get back to that. By the way, also, chill giving. I also want to point out the Earth does not have a circumference. <laughs> it has infinite circumferences. It's... Uh, so I, I want to point out, too, <laughs> it's worth noting that in 28 weeks right. later, uh, 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 right. what's his name, Dingus? Fresnadillo? I feel like I'm screwing up his name. Anyway, the director of 28 weeks later, the sequel, kind of tries to shoot that scene where, where he has all the people. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's fine, but, you know, you can't do it justice as well. I mean, it. But as soon as you said that, I I remember it because because of the the, I can even see the height of the ceiling. But, yeah, you're right. It's better described because describing it, you get more of a sense of it's the sort of thing that you might have to do with CG. You know, the way they shoot it, there's just a bunch of people crowded around the camera. But when Mark's talking about, like, climbing up on the kiosk and looking out over the crowd, uh, you you know, and I got to say, I kind of have high hopes that maybe Mark Foster will do some cool stuff with this in World War Z. Uh, because I know there's a lot of CG in that. Why are you going, ugh? Mm, bad size <laughs> on that one. Oh, is there really? Uh, yeah. But it's, it's a zombie like movie, so I'm okay with that. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're going to use, like, expensive CG, if you're going to have a Brad Pitt-funded movie, you know, you're going to have money to do spectacular things like maybe shoot that scene that Mark describes. You know, Danny Boyle was doing 28 uh, Days Later on a very small budget. Um, so maybe there will be some cool, like, crazy crowd zombie stuff in World War Z. I, I don't what know. What if Eli Roth had been the one describing that? <sighs> Kelly Wand. How much Wand. CG you need for that? Why would you do that to me, Kelly Wand? So Hitler's rude. bunker, he shot himself. That's not defending him. Hitler bunkered down in, uh... Where, where did he Archie bunker? bunker Hitler down in, uh... <laughs> Dingus, what is your number one pick for oh, God. a crowd scene in a movie? <laughs> Look up Bunker while you uh, explain Dingus. that. Dingus, one of us. <laughs> you, you go ahead. Uh, the, the quote would be, it's the kiss-off. If I never see him again, it'll be soon. That sounds far away. Uh, there's it's- no crowds that I can recall in Brick, so I don't know what Dingus is talking about. Uh, uh, Kelly gets the prize. It's not Fargo, but it is Miller's Crossing. And the crowd scene is... Uh, oh, God, I love this moment so much. It's its after Tom has told Leo that uh, that he was with Myrna. And then he leaves he leaves the office. And he goes down this hallway, and, the, and all of the henchmen are lining the hallway. All of them with those hats. And there's just a ridiculous amount of henchmen all the way down the hall that Tom walks down. And then, of course, Leo comes out and punches him out, knocks him down the stairs. And then there's another crowd scene down in the bar. But the juxtaposition of those two those two elements, the, the high-class people down in the club and the, the all the henchmen with all of their identical hats r- lining the hallway outside Leo's office is uh, my favorite crowd scene. All right. Do you remember it at all? Uh, I do remember a bunch of dudes with hats standing in the hallway. It's just it's it, uh, that's so, it's, it's right after Danny Boy, and and they're just there's so many of them. They're all standing there. They're all there protecting him, and it's just I just love that it's such a deliberate. 
crowd scene. It's just we're going to pack this hallway full of as many dudes as we can, and then we're going to land Tom down in this bar uh, with a bunch of high-class people. And I love the, the, those two crowd scenes. I will say that of the three of us, Dingus, your three-by-three three crowds are by far the most modest. Tom Cruise is a crowd of one in more of the worlds. <laughs> Uh, Dingus, what do we have from readers? Anything? Did anyone? Uh, does any, anyone have any ideas? Any submissions for a favorite? How big a crowd turned out for this topic? Uh, we we got no submissions this week. What? They had extra days. I'm just kidding. Uh, so the first one is from Fred Bow, and his third is the Gang Summit in the Warriors. Can you dig it? He says it's awesomely ridiculous. So this is Fred and Lynn. Uh, Fred Bo is Fred and Lynn back again. Uh, real Number quick, I, I, I definitely remember from that. Isn't it? I don't know when, if by Gang Summit he means at the beginning where the Warriors get framed, but at the end, I vividly recall the scene, and it would probably look goofy now, but just in my in my memory, the scene's like just terrible, where the gangs, like the the main evil dude who framed the Warriors, has been outed, and these gangs sort of converge around him and beat him down and you just see like this crowd converging on one dude to presumably beat him to death uh do you remember that kelly wand uh i remember it but it's a it's a gang though not a crowd right <laughs> you, want you, say three, you, you want three people to be a crowd so <laughs> now I remember okay that. so so the gang summit from the warriors that's uh, there's some good crowd stuff in the warriors go ahead dingus so number two, Loki commanding the humans to kneel in the Avengers. Mm. Wait, Loki's the crowd? Yes, Loki, because he is, uh, what does he contain? Legions of demons. Mul- multitudes. Multitudes. Oh. Kelly Wan, you're not allowed to comment on the Avengers because I just want to go on, I just want to point out to everyone listening, Kelly Wan didn't like the Avengers. I just thought Hulk didn't, Okay. And the best crowd scene ever, according to friend Lynn, is the end of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Sue communicates down the alley style via two guys in the crammed subway platform to Mick, who then walks across the top of the crowd to reunite with his soulmate. Pure movie magic. I thought that's the one where he goes to Universal Studios. Who knows? Okay, who can tell? All right, so uh, next we have Paul Weimer. Favorite crowd scene? No documentaries this time, I promise. Number three, Gort Klatu Barada Nikto. Ah, the Keanu Reeves movie, yes. <laughs> the crowd. Anaboxer crowd. The flying saucer that lands in the Washington Mall. The day the Earth stood still, 1953. A gripping and realistic scene of how first contact might play out. I'm not convinced it'd be a crowd if a flying saucer landed. Like they'd run away from it, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Today, nobody would have their cell phones out trying to get the pictures. Because they've seen all the recent movies, they always kill everybody. So, like, fuck that. We'll just be the second wave crowd. And number two is we're hoping to avoid any imperial entanglements. This is the medal awarding scene at the end of Star Wars. A new Where home. half of the crowd is cardboard stand-ups is the cutouts. Uh, Paul calls this a tribute to Riefenstahl, true but victory and heroism against impossible odds, aptly rewarded and acclaimed by the gathering rebels. Wait, isn't it, aren't I right though? Aren't in, in the actual Star Wars, aren't there like cardboard cutouts of people 
to like fill it, fill out the crowd's ranks. Like they're not that many people there, so they put cardboard cutouts. Yeah. Am I just inventing that, or is that true? It might very well be true, but in Paul's defense, I never said they had to be real people. No, I'm just pointing. I'm just once again pointing out how ridiculous Star Wars is. That's my only objective here. <laughs> All right, then you have succeeded in your objective. Were those well, the Star Wars, like Clone Wars, and then the Star Wars? Kelly Wand, who can tell? See, non-CG crowds are impressive when a Wookiee yells at them. Uh, Kelly Wand, when we say who can tell, what movie are we quoting? Oh, wait, do it again. Who can tell? Uh, Evil Dead. No. Oh, wait, wait. I don't know. Wait. Uh, I don't know. Click, click, click. So it's it's a, little, a little Wes Anderson movie that, that we all saw recently and liked. Oh. Uh, Was he a good dog? Who can tell? Tannenbaums. Alright, so what is Paul's number one pick for a crowd? Uh, Paul's number one pick is uh, his quote is, "Are you not entertained?" Do you know what that is? It's got to be Gladiator or something. It is Gladiator. The crowd in the Coliseum chanting Maximus's name as he starts to really make a name for himself and propel the eventual confrontation between him and Emperor Commodius. Yeah. All right. Great. But they didn't answer him in the negative. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> no, if they just go, no, and then he go, wait, are you entertained? No. Okay, wait, are you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fuck you, Wand. How many more of these uh, are there? There's uh, 15. Interrupt. Okay. So next is Robert Armitage. Uh, his number three is Stroker Ace. <laughs> I thought that would please like you, Kelly. I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> the camera pans across a NASCAR crowd. Pay attention to the gentleman with the short shorts and afro. He bends over toward the camera and attempts to grip himself like a bowling ball. This movie is forever after known as The Stroker Ace. Oh. That's what that means. I thought it was his name, because they called him that. Jim Neighbors. His coach, or mechanic, same fucking thing, right? Tom? You're the sports fan. I'm not a, yeah, uh, so... Those uh, out of fixed cars, too, you find out at the end. Did not know that. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of skills. His second choice is X-Men, the classroom scene. Scanning that crowd of students for recognizable characters was a true joy for a comic book nerd. The X-Men movies continued to hammer that nostalgia button for diminishing returns, but good superhero movies were still a novelty in 2000. Diminishing returns is the subtitle of the next X-Men movie. And his final choice, number one, is Mutant Girls Squad. Oh, wait, sounds, wait. I know what this is. It's Japanese. Sounds movie. Japanese. Yeah, 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 exactly. Machine gun legs like Rose McGowan, something like that, right? A crowd at the local mall mistake our claw-handed heroine, Rin, for the barbarian that comes down from the mountains once every ten years. Not one member of the crowd hesitates for a second in trying to kill and stuff her, even as they are easily dispatched by some dazzlingly stupid FX. Okay, never mind. I thought it was Japanese. <laughs> the heroine's name is Rin. Stop it. Uh, uh... All right, so Mutant Girl Squad. Excellent. Uh, the next one is from Marcel Bouchard. Uh, greetings, Mr. Chick, Mr. Wand, and Mr. Morosky. Thank you for the <laughs> test. Here are the two crowd scenes that came to mind. Number two, Dawn of the Dead remake. 
Uh, Crowd plus propane tank plus shotgun. A sea of shambling zombies demonstrates the physics of wave propagation. Why would a zombie pick up a propane tank and hold it above its head like that? To show off cool special effects, apparently. (laughs) Thank you, Zack Snyder. (laughs) And number one, The Matrix. Mouse's Matrix training program. Oh, that's I like that. The little Uh, one's name is Mouse. A simulation of a simulation of the real world. The program is convincingly real until you notice that most members of the crowd are copies of each other. The surreal experience is heightened by the pulsing soundtrack. Morpheus's monologuing and the drab, monochrome clothing of the people. A humorous touch. The crowd instinctively avoids Morpheus, but shoves Neo around as they walk past. <laughs> yeah, what's that mean? What's that? That's not how they would act. Well, let's just teach him. Does the propane tank thing work repeatedly against zombies, or just that one guy? No, repeatedly. No. I've, I've played Dead Rising. You can do that against zombies over and over. They always fall for it. You just I was thinking the of, tanks. I was thinking there's some, there's some of the crappy Resident Evil movies do have, like uh, Mila Jovovich like, running through the, crowded zomb- the zombie crowd with the shotguns filled with quarters in one of them. And there's one Resident Evil movie where there's like a desert installation – and there's crazy crowds of zombies around the desert, and Oded Fair, I think I'm saying his name right, has to drive a truck in there and blow the truck up to clear the way for Mila Jovovich to drive into the chain link fence or whatever. Um, there's some good zombie crowd stuff in, in those movies as well. Why not just fly over it? They don't have a helicopter, Kelly. Oh. Kelly, not everybody has a helicopter. Yeah. In Canada, we do. So. <laughs> Wait, is he in the truck at the time? Oh, did fair? Yeah, it's like his death scene. The, did he steal tr- that trick from the zombie with the propane tank? Didn't he go, hey, wait, that's it. We could just switch it to moving with wheels. Uh, I don't know where he got the plan, but, you know, no, he sacrifices himself, Kelly Wand. That's where, it's where his death scene is. The zombie? Oh, dead fair. He blows oh. himself up. The, he dri- he's driving a big old tanker truck through the zombie crowd. The tanker truck, I think, hits so many zombies it falls over or whatever, and he's pinned in the cab. And I think the gas is leaking out everywhere, and the zombies are going to come in and get him. And he's like, screw you, zombies. And he flicks a lighter and blows them all up. How awesome is that? The human's name is dead. <sighs> do you know who Oded Fair is? Uh, Deuce Bigelow. Is he really? Is he one of the – yeah. I could see him playing a gigolo. I have not seen that it's movie, but I can immediately imagine him in that. Uh, I think he's right. one of the mummy uh, – Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, he, right. He was Conan. What? In that? What? No? He's a little too, uh, I, I would say, maybe wiry to be Conan. I don't know. Dingus, no. am I saying his name right? You say his name, Dingus. I want to hear you do it. Dingus no, is I, I agree with you. I agree that Oded Fair. He, he was in the last Resident Evil movie we watched. We they watched. brought him back, but he died. How could he have been? Oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's right. I forgot about God, I so forgot about that. Dingus, I, quit reminding me of that last terrible Resident Evil movie. <laughs> Stop that. He's the husband in that often that awesome simulation scene. Yep. Right. I'm not convinced do those movies remember who's dead from one movie. <laughs> <laughs> they just go, Yeah, he blew up, but yeah, yeah, no, no. He'll tell you later. It's too exciting. Clones, clones. Yeah. This is some other death you won't remember. Because it's never something memorable too. It's like Kelly one, does that also apply to the Fast and the Furious? Well, oh, damn it, Tom, you jerk. <laughs> I can get the bat off my shoulder. Now, wait, who's died? Ah, screw it. Let's cast uh, her. Michelle Rodriguez, get over here. 
Or the guy, the G- Tokyo Drift guy. They have, so everything's a prequel because he died in the third one. So Nobody they, died in Tokyo Drift. What are you talking about? I Someone died in that. Yeah, the Asian guy. Shark. Oh no, I mean none of the main characters. Oh, racist. <laughs> I mean none of the you know, none like... of the European characters died on a, <laughs> in a car with an explosion. <laughs> This is the worst conversation ever on the internet. Fuck. <laughs> All right, the next crowd scene comes from Tyler. Uh, his number three is TMNT2, <laughs> The Secret of the Ooze. What is TMNT? I don't know what that is. Teenage Ninja Turtles. Oh, thanks. Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kelly. Right. Yeah, because Ooze gave them... <laughs> Identical accents, different killer bandanas. The scene towards the end where the turtles stumble upon a vanilla ice concert. <laughs> what? That's not real. I'm listening. <laughs> well, Continue. While battling Toka and Razar. For, for is, some reason, Vanilla Ice just decides to go with it and is able to freestyle a brand new song along with choreography about fighting turtles, and the crowd loves it. That's Maybe not- Michael Bay can use that in his reboot. I hope so. Of cool as ice. <laughs> That's so him, though, to just, like, make it up right there. That is so him. Fuck. Number two, uh, Ghostbusters, the stay-puffed marshmallow man exploding all over the city streets of New York, drenching the crowd in marshmallow. A white hero. And number one, Back to the Future, while defending his dad, uh, Marty <laughs> wins the support of the in-crowd. Uh, of What? What? Was the support of the crowd in Lou's Cafe by tricking Biff into crashing his beloved 1946 Ford into the back of him in Newark truck? He won the support of the crowd by doing that. Yeah. Hearts and minds, Kelly Wand. Hearts and minds. Begins with manure. <laughs> the guy, that guy, actor said he goes, he gets asked constantly if it was real manure. And he's all, <laughs> no. <laughs> And I thought, what a terrible... Like, if he'd known that then, would he have gone, really? It's going to be... you really think it'd be real? But then it's a compliment, too, because it means that they bought it. Good night. Movie magic. Chill. Wand. (laughs) All right. uh, This is from somebody named Aaron the Great. Um, What a crowded topic. Here are my three picks for best crowd scenes. Number three, Kelly, can you... uh, can you guess this quote? This year's prom queen is Peyton Nichols. Oh, zapped. Zapped. I hope I didn't scoop. <laughs> <it was> Peyton <laughs> Nichols. Hope I didn't scoop Kelly on this one, but this is where the prom scene turns into a bit of a crowd's gone wild. Kelly could also probably explain why it's a great crowd scene better than me, but I'm a sucker for mayhem and powers that end in wide-scale nudity. Crowds are a big part of that scale, I think. It's just Heather Thomas's nudity. Again. But I think it's like he tries to grope her during the dance, and then she's not into it, and she throws a watermelon at Scott Bayo's head, so he makes her dress disappear, and then it all works out. <laughs> and I, know, I feel like Kelly Wan just made this up. Like, what yeah, the man, things crowded. he's saying? <laughs> Continue. I'm listening. <laughs> I yeah. think, it all works out. I don't, yeah, I don't know how any of that could be visualized, Kelly Wan. I just feel like... Yeah, well, it's like uh, it, no. Actually, you know what? It's a monologue Willie Ames gives at the end, discussing what happened at prom. That, <laughs> that sounds much it. better. Yeah, that, chilling, chilling. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Carrie too. Similar. Shut up, Wand. Uh, I'm done talking. Number two quote. He said the sheriff is near. <laughs> From a movie called 
Blazing Saddles. Uh, Here was a simpler time when social commentary was both sharper and more frank. Prepared to welcome the new sheriff, the crowd in the scene turns on a heel from southern hospitality to racist bigots at the sight of a black man, and finally become concerned citizens when this new sheriff is suddenly being held up by himself. Just to hear someone talk about that makes me realize that I liked Mel Brooks' stuff. I wish I did. You don't like that one? You don't like Blazing Sun? You know what? I guess I do. Like, you I, don't like just... some tickets? Come on. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. How could anyone resist that scene? Uh, there's just so much like later Mel Brooks. It's just like so broad and not really funny to me. But that that is pretty sharp stuff, isn't it? Richard Pryor's writing. Richard Pryor wrote Blazing Saddles? What are you talking about? Yeah, he wrote it. Are you serious? Gig Young was going to be the Gene Wilder part. And Richard Pryor was going to be Cleavon Little. And then he was too strung out or something. And Gig Young was sick from alcoholism. So Gene Wilder came in at the last second. That's what that movie was going to be like. How do you feel about that? I feel like I should watch it now. Look what it almost was. It was almost 12 chairs, too. As long as it never turned into... What's the one where they're on the train, Kelly Wand? Trans-Siberian. No, <laughs> Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder when they're on a train. What the heck is that thing that I so, watched? Silver Streak. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. No, it's not a hard Because the prisoner's the villain. You know what? Uh, Silver Streak, almost as bad as Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's right. Why are you right, that guy? That's, I'm that guy. That's right. You know, the dumb cop from the James Bond movies, the redneck, is the yep. cop in Silver Streak. Yes, he is. He doesn't know Rembrandt's who Rembrandt is because he's from the South. Is that why you don't like it? That's wacky. Just a nerve. <laughs> Redneck. All right, Dingus, what else do we got? All right, his number one, Aaron's number one, is, is discussing how people would just, you know, take something good and take advantage of a situation. This is from a movie called Hot Rod. <gasps> I like it. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only person who has ever seen or liked Hot Rod, but I do feel anyone could enjoy this crowd-based goofiness about an hour in where the third act has finally kicked in. The main characters are headed to the big event with the inspirational song The Voice playing them on, which prompts the citizens of their small American town to chime in. Everything is beautiful and uplifting until suddenly a trash can goes through a shop window, breaking the glass and positivity down into an instant riot. Thanks for the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. Wait, so we have two oh, more left. Good one. He just described, uh, he just described uh, the Spike Lee thing about summer. Well, that's yes, the that. joke. It turns into a race war from what begins as a triumphant montage. Like, we're going we're gonna, to... It's like an Anna Kendrick song turning into Do the Right Thing. That's do the, the Right Thing. Thank you, Kelly Lund. But so there's a... The, uh, yeah, the Hot Ride is a real thing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> isn't that an Andy Samberg movie? Oh, I thought it was, he was talking about like some old classic that I'd never heard of. Oh, good Lord. That's funny. Never mind, then. I'll just, I thought, <laughs> isn't it that, he, that dude who wants to be a stuntman movie? That, that yeah. sounds about right. He keeps getting uh, hurt like uh, Super Dave. Ian McShane's in it. A stepfather. Tom's right. way with interest. Right. No, yeah, I thought he was talking about some 70s classic for some reason. Okay. But interesting. You know what? I'll, uh, yeah, maybe I'll still watch Blazing Saddles. Street when the old lady keeps calling him Steve, the crop duster lady. You know, like that That part? was just crazy. Wacky. Another southerner. I guess he's in Kansas. Let's retake the train. Uh, and so, Dingus, that was from uh, Aaron the So-So, you said? That was... Uh, <laughs> Aaron, the, Aaron the Very Adequate. <laughs> I support hot rod apologism on the internet. All right, next we have a fellow named Nick. 
Uh, hi, guys. I tried to avoid crowds of soldiers or large, crowded battle scenes, though there are many great ones. Number three, The King's Speech, which I believe was Kelly Wan's yes. movie at some point. Uh, the opening scene of this movie perfectly captures the embarrassment of speaking in front of a large crowd and the vicarious embarrassment the crowd feels in turn. And you're a king. You have to say shit on the radio like we're fighting Nazis, which, you know, if you stammer it. That's true, but at that point, of course, he is not the king, but yes, you're right. Yeah, Kelly Wand. It's still the speech. <laughs> Number two, Monty Python's The Life of Brian. I love the scene where Brian's multitude of followers swarms by his house to ask him a few questions. He tries to tell them they are all individuals, but to no avail, since they are interested in knowing is whether or not his mother is a virgin, if it's not a personal question. And number one, War of the Worlds, the scene where the first tripod rises up out of the earth is Spielberg at his finest. See, Tom? The camera moves from long shots of the entire crowd to moving with the hero as the crowd flees, and somehow we never lose our sense of place. So uh, who is that from, Dingus? That is from Nick, Cynic. So uh, Nick affirmed you, Kelly Wan, but he affirmed me more. Who? How? What? When? <laughs> I wasn't listening. That's not true. Fuck you. <laughs> Kelly Wand in the, uh, the, what was that, five or six stages of denial. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Too many. Uh, Nick's, uh, Nick has a runner-up, The Princess Bride. Everybody move! What? Tom? Which, which one's that? Uh, William Goldman. <gasps> oh, Andre the jo- oh, Never mind. So, you see, he affirms the two of you, and then he barely affirms me later on. Uh, still enjoying the podcast over all these years. Keep up the great work. And we have one more. This is Jeff Sweet. Uh, I've only got one pick for this week. I can think of plenty of films I love which happen to have crowd scenes in them, but I have a difficult time thinking of instances where crowd scenes themselves were noteworthy. Again, I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone else came up with. Ministry of Fear. Brazil? Wait. Tom? Dr. Moreau. Things that are great. The name of the movie is Ministry of Fear. Oh, that's the movie title? <laughs> Tom, what's the movie title? <laughs> Brazil. Uh, uh, <laughs> three faces of you. Okay, Ministry of Fear. Ray Milland is released from a mental asylum and immediately wanders into a creepy little... Oh, man, he just made me think of something. This is great. Uh, immediately wanders into a creepy little carnival across the street where people seem to be just a little too friendly and enthusiastic about this stranger playing a game to guess the weight of a cake. Although the mystery later falls a little flat, I was ultimately a tad disappointed with the film. The scene managed to give me a wonderful sense of unease. As always, love the podcast, Jeff. So this is a movie called Ministry of Fear. Is it black and white? If Ray Milland is in it, probably. Isn't he like yes. an old black and white grandpa movie fella? Well, his email is black and white, but I don't know if the movie is. <laughs> X-ray eyes is color, but he, his eyes turn black in it, which is so... Ah, that sounds freaky. Yeah. You can see too much, Tom. It's a problem. Wow. That is freaky. Uh, all right, runners up from you, gentlemen. Anything? <laughs> Tom well, fans. Jeff, Jeff just made me think of I don't know this that idea of wandering into a creepy little carnival across the street. I don't know why. I guess it's released from a mental asylum. He just made me think of the movie Blindness and um, the crowd scenes in that as uh, as the guy is 
directing the crowd, and there's the whole crowd of of people in the asylum, not asylum, but where they're where they're held. The crowd scenes in blindness are great, yeah, and then turning turn again. Uh, and Tom, what you talked about with War of the Worlds, the fairy scene made me think of the scene in I Am Legend when uh, they're going out to the pier to get his wife onto the helicopter. Oh, yeah, 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 right. I was like, there's no crowds. That, that movie's about one dude and his dog, and later there's a chick. There's no crowds. But yeah, you're right. There are flashback scenes. Yeah. Castaway's got a crowd before he gets to the island. The plane is crowded, right? Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I didn't want to mention this before we talked about the topic. Uh, I didn't think you guys would bring him up, but I didn't know if the listeners would. But uh, but one of the reasons I chose crowd scenes is because I um, absolutely hate the way Robert Zemeckis does crowd scenes. And one of the reasons that inspired this is I could have made this a negative topic, but I decided not to. But the the way he does the crowd scenes, like outside of uh, in uh, geez, in contact when all these people are gathered around showing signs and doing protests. I just hate Zemeckis's crowd scenes, so that's sort of a negative runner-up. Man, that's mean, Dingus. Yeah. 1941's got good ones. Not that that's Robert's. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> really different decade, film, genre, but still. All right, well, Kelly Wand, what do you have for us next week for a 3x3? Three three? Wait, was, we have to do our uh, runners-up. Oh, yeah, so yeah, are there runners-up? No. <laughs> God, no. I think we've said enough. Unless Dingus has one. Oh, no, I don't have any more than the ones I already didn't say. I kind of like in Close Encounters, my other favorite Zemeckis, where um, all the Indians point upwards. Because that means they all saw a UFO. Next week's 3x3, however, <laughs> is three best oh God. finger oh God. scenes. No. <laughs> no, no, this is a fun one. In you promise? Quotes. You promise? Mm, it's it's better than Explosions. I didn't or, mind Explosions. Explosions was fine. Yeah. You, I just, you tell you what, I, what I'm looking for is something as good as Explosions. That's okay. the, If you can manage that, I'll be tickled pink. Ew. Uh, <laughs> do you know what a meat cute is? What? Meat really? cute? You don't know yeah, what that the, means? Uh, Hollywood meat cute. Yeah. yeah. Is, that a date, is that a dating service or something? What the hell is uh, that? Tom, you're so cute. Sports and romance, completely foreign to you equally. Is it a sports thing? No, it's... Don't do a sports cute. thing because I won't be able to do it. I'll be excluded. A meat cute is a euphemism for a gutter ball, but not in sports. Uh, no. Uh... Okay, when a guy almost backs into you on your girl, by the way, <laughs> start there, Tom, and then follow me to the next phase of this analogy. And the guy almost backs into you in the parking structure and turns out not to be a serial killer. That's a meet cute. Like, oh, like you, you and the girl like bump heads at the same time. What on earth do you even say? Are you saying meet like M E E T? Yeah. New new word, cute, C U T E. Is that what you're saying? Listen to this. I mean, I've never heard yeah, of this. It, it's, a, it's a script. It's a Hollywood script term. Meet cute. Meet cute. Ingus and I, who are romantics at heart. <laughs> are there any meet cutes um, in uh, in Ministry of Fear or Hot Rod? Yeah. 
Well, Hot Rod's got several. Okay, so meat cute. This is apparently a thing. Go on, Cali Wand. A meat cute. Yes. I pulled a lot of trim that way with backing into the parking structure. <laughs> Before I became a serial killer and had to switch to cheesy lines like, was she a great big fat person? No, you've never had a meet cute in, in RL? How'd you meet this I still don't know what it is. So it's where you meet someone <laughs> who's cute? That's cute. <laughs> like Spanglish. It's, no, a cute, it's a cute way people bump into each other in a in a romantic comedy. Yeah, like, oh, we got in a fender bender. There's oh, no wait. other way that people okay. bump into each other in romantic comedies. It's always cute. So, so basically people meeting in romantic comedies, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but it has to be like how they meet is somehow cute. And like, whoa, um, the elevator's it's stuck in my tie. You know okay, okay, here, Kelly One. Kelly One, tell like, me, give, give me an example of people meeting in a romantic comedy where it's not a meet cute. Uh, is Titanic <laughs> a romantic comedy? And so, still, I've never heard of this phrase. I just feel sheltered. I guess I can't believe you never heard this. It's awesome. Meet yeah. cute. It doesn't even make sense. This for the first time I saw the phrase I go oh okay those I instantly went oh just oh from- I know what you're talking about it, hey it's it's a romantic comedy let's have some cute meeting yeah, that's what it, why not cute meeting why don't you call it a cute meeting no because it has to fit into a variety ah uh, like rom com I, I see what's going on okay there has to be a comical injury or someone has to get hit in the nuts with a fucking <laughs> asteroid. <laughs> I'm speaking for my own life, not movies, but... Uh, uh, oh, you're my sister! Like... Uh, uh, another Graham movie with Chris... Uh, so I was watching some, uh, like, no-budget horror movie recently, and I don't know, I've never been around anyone who's done this, and I've never done it, but there's two guys in the in the movie who are clowning around, and one of them just, like, reaches down... I'm listening to Tom. <laughs> Get this laser cane. No, it's where Tom Giggle is described. He just, he just like smacks his. He just reaches down and smacks. I can't see. Is he saying balls or ass? <laughs> yes. Yes. He smacks his buddy in the nuts. He just reaches down and smacks his buddy in the nuts. Like who does that? Tom giggled enviously. Cult Chew Club. Wait, so that's your. That's your guess for what a meet cute is. Is two dudes. <laughs> and I'm giving you a tap. So you're like, oh, cute. Like, no. A injury between two men. <laughs> Determine it. Uh, whatever's going on here, I'm out of my depth, uh, I realize. So. <laughs> it's like where your submarine periscope gets tangled up in her hot air balloon strings, euphemisms, and like wine and oz together, and you're like, what? It's fuck. Let's get this so, over with. All right, so the three by three is meet cute. So like buddies smacking each other in the nuts, like that's not a meet cute because they already he, know each he other. Still right? hasn't told us what the meet cute, what the three by three is. Oh right, right, right. Idea. <laughs> it's three best uses of cheese. <laughs> a gambling scene in a silent movie. And no, no three best meet cutes. Tom's I still don't look. believe this is a thing. I, this is insane. I mean, what? Okay, all right. So basically, cute. Instances of fucking. All right, we're uh, Roman holiday where they stick their hands in the statue, and then no, no, you don't have to explain. I mean, I got it. I just can't believe there's a word for this because it's any any movie where characters meet each other. It's got to somehow be. I mean, 
especially if it's a romantic comedy, it's going to be like funny. It's got to do something cute. Like I can't think of a, a time where characters meet and it's not cute. Like, well, they do it in non-romantic even... comedies too. So that's the fun part. I see. It's also two words, by the way. Meet cute, like circumference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're looking for our favorite meet. Be best meet cutes. Meet and the listeners will come up with better. You'll just be all. You know what? If you've heard of this, let me know. Am I the only one who has never heard of this phrase? So English, it's it's a meet cute when she. You don't have to explain it. I I totally get it. I just can't believe it. There's a word together. You and me right now. She gets her. She gets. She breaks her nose on the door. They give her a twenty dollar bill, and she becomes a maid for a chef who makes fish. Little cute fish, and he's the best chef in America. The uh, meat cute. All right, that's cute. <laughs> it ends with like a giggle and like a blush, and Toto jumps out of the basket, and then people get tangled up. There's injuries, but then it leads to sex. All right. Or uh, if we were all what we were going to maybe next week see, um, uh, not approval with oh admission, the thing with Paul Rudd and Tina Fey. I'll bet there's a meat cute in that, Kelly Wand. Huh. <laughs> uh, all right, so if you know what a meat cute is, or even if you don't, and you have an idea for your favorite meat cutes, send us one, two, or three. Send us runners up if you like. Uh, send your submissions to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at and spell out quarter to 3com uh, We would love to hear from you and, and read your submissions on the air. I'd like to add, I want to see more girl notes like girls writing it because like we only had that one because something i like about girls besides everything is that they don't give a shit what you think of their favorite movies like that one girl who wrote i like sucker punch and this is why like she wasn't going to defend it she's like yep, i like she was awesome. you guys yeah that's awesome so i support sucker punch admirer and i want her to write us more and then you know it's like guys will be, well yeah it's okay i mean sucker punch you know i was looking at the boobs duh <laughs> So, uh, dudes and chicks, send us your meat cutes. Uh, next week, uh, we will be seeing, um, what did we decide? Um, so torrid. So I don't think there are going to be meat cutes in Olympus Has Fallen. That's, that be. one's more likely to have, like, dudes smacking each other affectionately in the nuts. That we might be Which seeing. Which is Tom's before. idea of a meat. So I couldn't believe it. The guy, he just, like, reaches down and, like, pops his buddy's crotch. Like, who does that? That's not if, – if like, Kelly Wan, if you did that to me, I'd be like, what, what are you doing? What's the matter with you? How can something so wrong feel so right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have a whole line of dialogue. How can you do that? Why would you do that to me? Yeah. In that <laughs> – I take your part, sir. His balls ruptured. That's just a weird Tom's thing to like, do to your buddy. I think it, yeah, yeah, why would they want to meet cute? Why would guys do that? <laughs> weird name for it. They should just call that – Injury. <laughs> Stupid phrase for <laughs> testicle mishap. Tom scratched his head on the internet. So, uh, see, Olympus has fallen. Uh, join us next week as we talk about it uh, and as we bring you our three by three of meat cutes. Uh-huh. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian McCrowley. It's Christian Moroski. And Kelly Wan. This podcast is a meet cute every week. <laughs> Tom, play us out, you dumb you go where to la, la. Why don't you go where fashion Ah, so good, huh? Right? Hooray! We nailed it.
Young Frankenstein is no Blazing Saddles. No, no, I was saying, as a meat she's Terry Garr's in the hay. Oh, you know what? Terry Garr is so cute in that, though. She saw, oh, you're wrong, hey. And Marty Feltman. See, they got a hunchback chauffeur, which is. Come and mix where uh, walk and, with uh, you know, me too. Another meet you with, uh, Lee. to a hand in Tom's world. <laughs> Which Tom is to this music. <laughs> Whether someone else is there or not. I mean, thanks for listening. This was all about the call. The police know who you are, Kelly Wand. See, that's a meet cute, Tom. See? 